Kia ora. I'm Jane, a blogger, podcaster, writer, photographer, coach and mama. I utterly love women and supporting them with the stuff we all struggle with but don't talk about. Let's go. Just a little pre-warning, if during or after this podcast you make some realizations about your own current relationship or past ones, there are people out there to support you on your journey in your community, nationwide, I will add some numbers to the show notes at the end of this episode, but please reach out for help with local or nationwide organizations. I've worked in family and sexual violence for over 20 years, and I've been having these conversations with women um, about their financial situations for probably the same amount of time, from the struggle to put food on the table for babies, making their first $50 investment, to using the inside of sofa foam for tampons because the money isn't there. Women who wore bigger hats to get through the door scanner in supermarkets so they could slip baby formula over the radar and under their hats. Yeah. Um, And the discussion with women for the first and 101st time about the recognition of being in an abusive relationship with financial abuse as a factor is becoming more and more apparent for more and more women. Financial abuse, as with most pieces of the abuse puzzle, is often really tricky and subtle to spot. Um, It can be sprinkled here. um, It can be a statement there. But it also has the tendency to make you think you're making it up. And in the process, it kind of proceeds on its merry little way. Money is a huge topic for all of us. If you've never looked at your own money story, this will have some effect on the way that you discuss money in all of your relationships, in your work, with your partner, with your kids. Um, If you go and see a financial advisor with your bank, with your credit people, um, our money stories are real life ingrained conversations and feelings we have around money from being really little. So let's take a moment here to just ponder. How was money discussed in your family growing up? Was it hard to find? Was it tight? Was it used to make you happy or keep you quiet? Was it free flowing or hidden away? Were you made to respect it, work for it, be fearful of it? What came up for you when money was discussed in your household between the people who brought you up and those conversations that you heard regularly um, around your little ears? How did it then feel when you started earning your own money? Did you say to yourself certain things? I will never buy that thing. I will never be able to do that. I mustn't go and enjoy that thing that I've saved up for. I can't. I can. I'm not very good with. These conversations come and stem from the ways that we we heard about money when we were little and then imprint themselves into our brains and then have a massive effect on how we are with money moving forward. So if you were told one time in your life you were not very good with money because you lost it, spent it, gave it to somebody, that statement will stick with you and will bring itself up whenever you're in situations where you have to discuss money. But what happens when we don't investigate our money stories? They can keep us trapped in certain mindsets that show up in many ways during the relationships we have. Um, The nudge 
that we get or have when something isn't right in those relationships is sometimes slower or it's delayed or it's not there at all. And then we can also have really positive money stories and still experience financial abuse. None of the ways we see money are an excuse for how somebody treats us. None. This stuff is not your fault at all. But I just think it's very important to start a process of looking at how we see money and then how it shows up for you in the conversations you have in those relationships that you're in, whether that's with friendships, with your parents, with your partner, with your kids. It also shows itself up in how much we charge for our work. When we ask to get a pay rise, when we go out on a first date, when we decide how our money is divided in a new relationship or it's decided for us. So that is yours. This is mine. We pay everything half. We have separate bank accounts. We don't discuss it. That's just the way it is. When we Then when we separate and we might have kids, we have houses, we have investments to juggle and sort out. Or when we legally marry or enter into a financial agreement, how do those discussions happen? So if you've got two people who come from completely different financial or money story backgrounds, and then you're thrown together, and then you might add a house to the mix or kids to the mix. If we don't or aren't able to talk about money in certain ways, we then just proceed to try and mesh these two journeys together in some kind of fandangled way that usually ends up in a bit of a mess because we just can't have these conversations we also then see our money stories show up in different ways so when a friend constantly asks to borrow money and you feel bad say no because you know they're going through some hardship when a family member asks to borrow some money and notice there is sometimes a real different feeling between the two how we see our work and the way we are paid when bills aren't paid, maybe when we work for ourselves, when we want to buy something that we consider a large or expensive purchase, when a new partner buys something we consider a large purchase, when a partner starts to say, you don't need a job, stay at home. When your banking details are requested from a partner and you'd give them to me if you loved me, when the shared credit cards are being maxed out every month and you're not sure where that money is going to, when you have to explain what you're spending money on or down to the last cent to your partner, when you're having to beg for money. Some of these may seem shocking to you, maybe familiar to you, maybe you're not aware of them till now. But the point is, if they're happening to you, they're not part of a loving, healthy relationship. And this statement is hard to navigate in itself because what is a healthy, loving relationship? Well, it's not being made to feel a certain way that doesn't feel okay. Even if you're brought up, you were brought up in a house where money was to be respected or feared or hated. It has all sorts of judgments stained all over it. When we look at the Duluth Power and Control Wheel, and you can Google that, we use that a lot in the work that I do. It has a section about financial abuse and it's certain areas that I see most days in the clients we work with. But it also has some that are becoming more and more part of relationships that we really, really need to look at. For instance, using male privilege. So treating you in a certain way because of the gender you identify or don't 
which means somebody else makes all the decisions in the household and having somebody else define what those roles are. So they define what their role is, what your role is. And often that is because of gender. These after times slowly erode the way you might feel about yourself or your position in that relationship, in that household. Even if you consider yourself to be a confident, independent, powerful person, and other people also consider you to be these things, which then in itself makes it harder for you to tell, discuss, or speak about the way that these things happen in your household because your identity is tied up in a certain place or a certain mindset. Often we might see people have their partner cut short the time and investment you spend with friends or family. So sometimes this can be really slow at first, which means you slowly let go of the things that bring you joy. That coffee you like, that haircut you invest in, the girl's trip you save up for, because these things don't matter to your partner and they certainly don't feature in the budget of the household. But you don't get a say in whether they do or they don't. And that's a really big part because part of that corridor, that conversation is about you having a, re a relationship where you can discuss these things, however difficult it is, however tight your budget, however, you know, certain times of the year, then you have to pull the belt in. But having the conversation is the part of the process where it feels a little bit more equal. And when these conversations don't happen, it tends to feel out of control, out of our hands, and somebody else is making all the decisions in that household. So starting to spot some of the ways that you can identify what might be going on for you. And then the journey into what happens next. So this doesn't mean that you have to tomorrow decide to leave somebody and go off and change everything about the way that you're living, especially if there's kids involved or there's investments involved or houses. But it's just to start to think about some of the things that you might identify being part of your relationship and you know it, you're ignoring it, or you haven't even identified yet. So not being allowed access to your own bank account, not having access to credit cards, not having access to the money you make, making you beg for money for your kids' needs, being prevented from getting a job or changing jobs, making you ask for money and explaining what you want it for, not letting you know about or have access to family income, making you sign into companies or investments you don't want, pressuring you to put your name to businesses and companies into your name, making le legal decisions for you around money, your phone or online history being tracked with or without your knowledge, someone saying, if you loved me, you'd tell me about the money you have, someone saying, if you loved me, you'd share the money you have, Someone threatening suicide if you don't give them access to your money. Spending all the money and using all the credit cards and saying it was you or refusing to pay. Turning up at your workplace to demand money or credit. Threatening to report you to social services, banks for fraud or benefits. Emailing your boss or work colleagues or friends about your money worries or past. These are just some of the things that might pop up for you or you might not even have noticed have happened. But it's really important that you consider how your relationship discusses money, how it's part of the relationship and the discussions that you can have 
and also that if there are kids involved you're also creating the journey for them and their money stories so it is really important for you to just sit and consider some of these things but support is available um, if you need it there is also um, a agreement in New Zealand where employers who are affected by family violence have the right to take up to 10 days of paid family violence leave. Um, employees can give more than 10 days if they need to. This is separate from annual leave, sick leave and bereavement leave and ask for short-term flexible working arrangements. This can be up to two months. So you might need to go and see a lawyer, you might need to go and see a bank manager, you might need to sit down with somebody and talk about how your money is spent, all the things that you're really worried about. You have the right to not be treated adversely in the workplace because you might have experienced family violence. It doesn't matter when the family violence took place. Employers still have rights if they have experienced family violence before they begin working for the current employer or before the law changed on the 1st of April 2019. Employees who can get this family violence leave have to have been with the continuous employment of a company for six months with the same employer, or they've worked for the employer for six months for an average of 10 hours a week, or at least one hour in every week or 40 hours in the month. Employers must give at least 10 days paid family violence leave each year to employees who qualify. Employees who are affected by family violence can ask for flexible working arrangements up to two months. If an employee takes family violence leave or asks for short-term flexible working arrangements, their employer can ask you for proof. Employees can go to Employment New Zealand or the Human Rights Commission if you have a real problem getting the family violence rights instated. And employers should have policies that make workplaces supportive for employees who are affected by family violence. And there are pen penalties for employers who break that employment law. You are right to feel something isn't right in your relationship or past relationships. Your feelings around relationships not feeling fair are valid and you deserve to be part of a relationship where money issues can be discussed fairly and with compromise. We can have these conversations. If you found anything in this mildly helpful, I'd love to hear about it. And I will add some um, information at the end in the show notes. For you if you have identified that you need to talk to somebody and get some support around what is going on for you. Kia kaha.